It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, we've got John Paul taking your calls at 1850-333-103 and a most gorgeous photograph on the front page of the Irish Examiner today that really made me smile. It's a picture of a black and white ruffled lemur hanging upside down from what looks like a bamboo tree and it's at Photo Wildlife Park and of course it's to celebrate the fact and we heard Barry mention it there on our news that the 100 acre wildlife sanctuary set to open to the public from next Monday 26th of April now there will be safety measures including a limit on the number of visitors that will be allowed at any one time for that reason it will be online pre-booking system uh, only and there obviously will be the continued closure of indoor areas and they're going to have a new one way walking route and uh, listening to Barry on, on the news terrific to hear that bookings have been flowing in for appointments at uh, Photo Wildlife Park and we wish everybody the best of luck with the opening of the park from next Monday and of course Dublin Zoo will also reopen along with the open farms and places of heritage so certainly is a little bit of good news and a little bit of life coming back to normality here in Cork to have Photo Wildlife Park back up and running and staying on good news stories uh, for Cork the logistics giant DHL Express have started a cargo operation between Cork Airport and its largest European hub in Germany and obviously this is to do with a surge in cargo traffic during the pandemic the company yesterday began operating a Boeing 767 aircraft it'll be five days a week out of Cork Airport Monday to Friday between Cork and Leipzig in uh, Germany and it says that the service will benefit customers through earlier deliveries later collections of parcels as well and uh, Niall McCarthy quoted Managing Director of Cork Airport uh, seemingly was on the runway yesterday to welcome the first cargo flight and he's quoted in the papers today as saying that the changes arriving, arising from COVID-19 has provided us with the opportunity to diversify the business into new areas by supporting cargo, offshore gas and wind operations and God knows Cork Airport along with I know all airports but Cork Airport and Shannon as well have been absolutely uh, decimated because those few flights in and out so that certainly is a good news story uh, for them. Now uh, vaccinations and the vaccinations of the over uh, 60s Uh, Well, it's the 65 to 69 year olds. We know 
that they have begun or are beginning, I think, from uh, today. As of yesterday evening, around 135,000 people aged between 65 and 69 have applied for their vaccines. Vaccines in this age group, um, those who registered in recent days are beginning this week. A HSE spokesperson said the vaccination of this group will run. It'll take three weeks to vaccinate all those that have been registered. And they actually are saying, because I know we had some calls in on this yesterday, that they may open registration for people aged 60 to 64 later this week, I suppose, once they get these 65 to 69 euros underway. And if that runs as smoothly as possible, and please God, it will, they then will be able to open the portal for the 60 to 64 year olds. But 135,000 people have registered. It does mean there are around 45,000 people aged between 65 and 69 who are eligible to apply for the vaccine that haven't registered uh, yet and how much of that is down to vaccination hesitancy uh, certainly a number of a number of people in that age group are just nervous about it we're still getting texts and calls in from people afraid to take AstraZeneca and we know what they were told last week when people first started saying I'm nervous about getting it they were told they're going to have to go to the end of the list and wait until everybody else is vaccinated before they can be offered a different uh, vaccine but it does seem like the vast majority of people in the age group with 135 already registered now as I say 45 have yet 45,000 yet to register that doesn't mean that they're not going to register some may just be holding back and may register in the coming days but it looks like appointments are going out to that age group which is good news and I would be interested to hear from anybody in the 65 to 69 age group who got an appointment already and where did you get your appointment because I know yesterday people from certainly people from West Cork were saying they don't really want to travel to the city they you know why can't they get vaccinated locally we know you can't get vaccinated at your GP practice you must go to one of the vaccination uh, centres and we're already hearing that today City Hall is vaccinating in this age group and Porky Cueve are going to start vaccinating tomorrow. So we did check in with the HSE because we know we have vaccination centres in the county but we hadn't heard of anybody getting an appointment for the county and we've been told this morning that Mallow and West Cork are due to start in the middle of next week vaccinating the 65 to 69 year olds. So I'm assuming anyone that gets an appointment across this week and across early next week will be invited to either go to City Hall or Porky Cueve. But from the middle of next week, Mallow and West Cork. Bantry will be the first of the West Cork because we know that there's two but there's one in Bantry and one in Clonakilty but they'll work on alternative days I'm assuming it's the same staff so if the Bantry vaccination centre is open it means the Clonakilty one will be closed and then when the Clonakilty one is open the Bantry one will be closed so it's from next week that Mallow and the West Cork vaccination centres will start uh, vaccinating people aged between 65 and 69 and those that have registered you will get an, an, an appointment uh, by online or by phone and I know listening to the news you need to bring photo ID with you but it looks like today already some of the 65 year olds are heading to uh, City Hall so we wish them the very very best of uh, luck and we did have an email in from somebody who says please don't call out my name which I won't that says I'm in my 60s I suffer severe depression and panic attacks I rarely go out so going to a mass vaccination centre just has me absolutely 
terrified. I phoned the HSE to register and when I explained my situation, I was told by somebody at the HSE to get in contact with my own GP. I did and was told they're not doing vaccinations at that GP practice and they told me I would have no choice but I would have to go to a vaccination hub or else get back on to the HSE and that has been the case. It seems I will now not get a vaccination. I live alone. I don't have family or friends. The past year I've been totally on my own. Now it seems people like me will be left out. I have no doubt that I'm not alone with this condition. I've asked, I asked GPs and the HSE to give us some consideration. Uh, I also, by the way, have some medical condi- c- conditions. Please don't call out my name, which we won't. God, that's, that is heartbreaking. What I would suggest you do is I suggest you get back onto the HSC. You tell them that you did exactly what they told you to do to get onto your GP, but because your GP is not administering the vaccination, I would ask could you be considered for a home vaccination? Because we know that the National Ambulance Service have been doing vaccines for people who are housebound and we know they've successfully gone around to people's houses, people over over the age of 70 who are housebound and weren't able to get either to a GP practice or to a vaccination centre and a number of people were vaccinated uh, that way and we're led to believe that the HSE, will, that the National Ambulance Service will be, con- will be continuing with that because they will be people under the age of 70 who for whatever reason are also housebound. So I'm wondering if you could get back on to the HSE and ask to be considered in the housebound list. Now you may have to wait for your vaccination uh, because obviously there's there's uh, there's a limited amount of ambulance personnel that are available to do that particular vaccination model. And I know with the over 70s, people had to wait, people who were housebound, but they were willing to do it and a little bit of patience. So that would be my advice to you is to get on to the HSE, tell them you did exactly what they asked you to do. But unfortunately, your GP, because not every GP practice is administering the vaccination and see how you But just ask to be considered when they're drawing up the list of housebound patients for vaccination under the age of 70 and can can I wish you luck with it and you know you're right in your email when you say it there are other people for whatever reason going into a mass vaccination centre the idea of being in a mass vaccination centre could bring on a panic uh, panic attack but all I will say to you is those mass vaccination centres any of them I've seen on TV and anyone I've heard that's gone to any of them they are so well run they're a well oiled machine at this stage and they have people with individual time slots and then when you get there you know the fact that we say mass vaccination centre makes it sounds like there's going to be tens of thousands of people there it won't it's done you know it's done uh, people are asked to come on a particular day at a particular time so could that be an option for you would you be able to go say on a quieter time that maybe they might be able to schedule you at the end of the day or the beginning of the day I'm just trying to tease out any other ways that you can get because it seems certainly from your email you want to get uh, your vaccination so get back on to the HSE and we wish you luck and keep in contact with us and let, let, let us know how uh, you get on and it seems the country is with the, talking about photo wildlife par- park opening the country it seems is on the cusp of getting ahead of COVID-19 and the government could start to look at doing more in terms of allowing outdoor activities from next month and that's coming from the higher education minister Simon Harris they There was an onus on the government to outline a clear 
a plan as possible when it meets next week to decide on what coronavirus measures will be relaxed across May, June and into July. Now restrictions on GAA inter-county training and the high performance athletes, they were all lifted yesterday and uh, next week golf and tennis will also be able to resume, resume and a lot of people will be dusting off their golf clubs and their tennis rackets as we mentioned wildlife parks and zoos and heritage sites they're all opening from Monday but Minister Simon Harris was asked at an event yesterday what the plan was for the reopening of outdoor hospitality given comments from the Taoiseach Michal Martin that hotels and guest houses could be reopening in June. Simon Harris yesterday says I do think the evidence around outdoor activities and how they can be done safely perhaps he says gives hope that we could do a little bit more in our outdoor spaces. And he says, I think there might be potential to do a little bit more in the month of May. He said, for example, at the moment, you can meet up outdoor with one other household. Is there a possibility you could do more in relation to that? Things like outdoor dining, he suggests. He said, I'm not in a position to give a definitive view but he said, I think we need to start answering those questions next week and the Cabinet will be meeting next week. And it's expected after that meeting that they will outline what's the plan for May? What will we can we expect to reopen in May? What June is going to look like? What July is going to look like? But obviously all of this will very much be subject to public health advice. And he says, if this week continues the way the last couple of weeks have gone. He says we will be able to meet as a cabinet next week in a much better position when it comes to COVID-19 than we have been in any of their previous meetings for the last number of months. And he says we're on the cusp of really getting ahead of the virus for the first time in a long time. And uh, that certainly is good news for all of us and we'll all take comfort from that, that we're on the cusp of really getting ahead of the virus. And actually talking of getting ahead of the virus. I think we can all pat ourselves on the on the back for the reason that the figures are so good. And the declining incidence of COVID-19 in all of the age groups in recent weeks, it's not only due to vaccination, but it's due to the enormous efforts of people in following lockdown measures. And that's what was said yesterday by the Deputy Chief Medical Officer Ronan, uh, Ronan Glynn. He, he, now he's pointed to the fantastic impact of the vaccine, particularly on our healthcare workers and residents in nursing homes. But he said vaccination is not wide enough in the community yet to take the entire credit for the declining incidence of COVID-19. And he said it literally is down to the people, the vast majority of people in this country who we mightn't have liked all the lockdown measures, but we abided by the rules and the regulations. And because of that, it's been reflected in a fall in our COVID numbers. So could we be very, very slowly starting to reopen? And I think that's got to be the key to it. We've learned from the past about opening up too fast so we have to do it uh, slower and certainly all of this scientific evidence is there that if we're going to have a groups meeting up if they do it outside you have a much lesser chance of picking up COVID even if God forbid you come in contact with somebody that has COVID than if you're in an enclosed setting particularly if there's very bad ventilation so more of the outdoor and with the weather hopefully getting a bit better maybe a little bit of outdoor dining uh, sounds nice does it not people on AstraZeneca Pat says I'm in my early 60s I'm not very enamoured with the AstraZeneca jab as it's only 10.5% effective against the South African variant not much use here is it hoping AstraZeneca will be used up when it is my turn says Pat but look how effective it is against the UK strain and that's the strain 
strain. The the, the B117, that's the strain that is most, this 90% of cases are the B117 and it's very good against that one. So so don't knock it completely, uh, Pat. And I know there are people who have concerns about AstraZeneca. There was another text in from a listener talking about what's going on in France. There was nine cases of rare blood clots in France in people who got AstraZeneca and this time it was aged between people between 54 and 74. I don't think Dr. Ronan Glynn should have been pushing this vaccine at the age group 60 to 69. It is not for any doctor to tell a person what to do. How many of our age group 60 to 69 have had health problems and then we're being told to take it anyway? We don't matter, said this listener. I am so upset by what I feel is this type of bullying. Let everybody make up their own minds. It's our bodies at the end of the day. Trying to make us feel bad is not the right, right approach. In fact, they had to close up one AstraZeneca vaccine last Saturday as only 50 people out of 3,000 that were expected took it. So there's vaccine hesitancy around AstraZeneca in France as well. And nobody can force you to take the AstraZeneca. If you don't want to take it, you don't have to take it uh, and you can wait and then in a few months time there will be, you'll be able to get we'll never get to the stage I think that you'll be able to go in and say let me see now what vaccines do you have on offer there. But nobody can force you to take a particular vaccine. And Jane from Ballylicky says, I just rang the 1850 24 1850 to register for my vaccine. Very quick, uh, very helpful. The person at the end of the line, it was such a pleasant experience. Well done, Jane. Good luck with your vaccination. And listen to this if we want a little bit of vaccine envy. Morning, my uncle is a US citizen living here in Ireland and he returned to visit his daughter in America this week. He went to do some shopping in his local Walmart, which is like Tesco Dunn's, it's their local supermarket. He was approached by a member of staff as he was pushing his trolley around Walmart. So, excuse me, sir, have you had your vaccine? And when he said, no, no, I haven't, the staff member said, would you like me to give you a vaccine now? And he went into, obviously, the chemist inside Walmart. He got his vaccine nation there and then and he's invited back for his second jab next week. Yeah, They have so many vaccines in America at the moment and unfortunately in America they have huge and it's, it's Pfizer is Pfizer and Moderna and they were using Johnson & Johnson one stage but it's mainly Pfizer uh, is what they're using. They have huge vaccination hesitancy in uh, in the States. They're doing everything possible to try to get people uh, vaccinated. So yeah, so what, what a wonderful experience uh, for, your, for your uncle who no doubt is uh, thrilled that he's been vaccinated while over on his holidays. And here's a lovely text I want to give a mention to from Martin. Thank you Martin for this. This is Patricia. Hi. I'd like to say a big thank you to three ladies who I met yesterday morning near the library car park in Formoy. Wait for this. They were escorting a mother duck and her five or six chicks all the way from St. Coleman's up the other side of Formoy, all through the town, through the traffic and people walking in the Barnan Walk by the river. Myself and my daughter and my granddaughter came upon this act of kindness and thought it was terrific. So well done. Don't have the names of those three ladies who were making sure that that mama duck and her six little chicks got safely back to the river. Well done, ladies. 1850 333 103. 
Cork Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. And the Pat in Formoy, uh, this is on hospitality, uh, when he heard me saying that there's a possibility, it looks like certainly indications coming from the Taoiseach and from Simon Harris yesterday, that if numbers stay the way they are, COVID cases continue to stay down and if the public health advice is there, it does look like there will be some kind of reopening of hospitality next month, you know, as early as maybe the beginning of May, outdoor dining, that kind of thing. That's got Pat thinking about the staff who work in the hospitality sector who will be due to come back to work when and if it does reopen at the start of May but he, he wants to raise the point that many people in the, that industry are, those workers are on very low wages and he said some of them are the ones who have suffered the most during all of this pandemic. He feels we now need to have a long hard look and think about these people and think about the wages that they are on and ensure that they start to get a decent living wage. He said even if that means we all have to pay more for our cup of coffee or our pint or our bit of lunch but we need to start looking at and they're young workers Pat in the main as well and some of them are on well they've got to be on the least that they can be on is a minimum wage but he feels that they're on very very low wages uh, indeed and I think there's also going to be an issue with the hospitality sector is finding staff to work and some of the very qualified staff like your chefs and that some of them because they've been out of work for so long have decided to jump ship completely and go into so many retrained during the pandemic and gone into a different line of work so I do think there could be an issue I do think there could be an issue here that we could you know some of those workers are gone and will need to be um Uh, we're going to start doing retraining as well. So I think some, you know, hotels and restaurants will have a problem getting the staff to work, let alone the point that you're making, you know, the point you're making that we're going to have staff, you know, we, we need to look at staff and what they're actually earning. But what about the people who've left the industry and have decided that they're going to go somewhere else instead? Uh, 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. If you want to text or WhatsApp, you can to 86 Now, there has been fresh calls for restrictions to be eased in counties where COVID cases are low. The latest figures from the Health Protection Surveillance Centres shows us here in Cork, along with our near neighbours, Kerry, Carlo, Clare, Kilkenny and Sligo. We all have less than 50 cases per 100,000 people in our counties and that's over the last two weeks. Kerry Independent Dáil Deputy Michael Healy-Ray believes a regional approach would be fairer. And uh, Michael joins me. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. You're, How are you? I'm, I'm very well and you're, you're very welcome. We had a regional approach last year when figures went very high in that we locked down the high counties. Why can't we do the same now and open up for us in the lower counties? Well, you see, I'm not jumping on a bandwagon and saying this now, Patricia, and I want to make this very clear to you and to your listeners. Many, many months ago, I was in six or seven months ago at least, I stood up inside the doll and I said that during the fight of this pandemic, and one thing that we have to make quite clear, I'm not coming on your radio programme and saying, oh, look, what the government is doing is wrong and I'm right, or there's no such thing as us and them, or, or yeah, we're 
we're all in this together, Patricia. We all want to make sure that we protect people's lives. But we also want to make sure that we protect people's mental health at this stage. Because it doesn't make sense to me today, Patricia, that I can, and I'm perfectly entitled to go to a hardware shop. And I can buy clothes now that they never had before, and I don't blame them for doing this. They're stocking clothes and shoes and all items that you couldn't buy there at all before, because they see an opportunity to sell them. But it's safe for me to do that. So I can buy my trousers in my local hardware shop, but I can't go to a, ha- a clothes shop that was always in existence and buy my tro- trousers there. It doesn't make sense to me that people can't go to mass and that the churches are closed. That's not right. And, you know, we might be a lot more luckier and we might be a lot more happier in our minds if we could go into churches and quite simply go down and out two hands and knees and pray to God for a bit of help and a bit of guidance because people will have to realize that maybe that's what's actually wrong at the moment is that we're not being humble enough and, and looking for help and guidance. Well, and well so you can go into a church for private prayer. You just can't no, go into, no, no, into but, church no, where Mass is on no, to I'm go to Mass. About, I'm talking about worship and having Mass. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A, and there's nothing in the world wrong with that, and it wouldn't be dangerous. And this awful, horrible situation, where up until very recently, that the maximum amount of people could of kin could go into a church to bury their loved relative. How, in the name of God, anybody thought that was right? If you look at the size of a church, and that only 10 people could be inside in it, that didn't make sense. So what the government have proven is that they don't have a monopoly on being right on this. And this thing of politicians and ministers hiding blindly behind Neffet and saying, well, Neffet said, my mother always said, if everybody jumped in the river, does that mean to say that you would go along and jump as well? <laughs> it does. People have to use their own brains and their own intelligence. And you see, the one thing that bothers me greatly at this stage, people have worked so hard over the years to build up their business. And it can be a big business. It can be a small business. It can be a one-man or one-woman operation. And that they work so hard for. And they're listening to your program this morning. There might be small clothes uh, shops, uh, barbers, beauticians, uh, restaurants, uh, pubs, hotels, and they're shut. And it is so heartbreakingly dis- disappointing to see your door shut. And it doesn't have to be shut. But, you, but you're not saying, Michael throw open all the doors and let's just go no, back no. to the way we were pre-COVID. That's not what you're saying. No, no, absolutely not. I'm a responsible person. I don't want to see one person's uh, grandmother or grandfather or child that might be have a low immune system dying because of this. I don't want to see anybody getting sick. I don't want to see people dying. But I also recognise and realise that we have to live in the real world. Last year, uh, in the summer when, when our counties opened up, for example, County Kerry, we had an awful lot of visitors. We didn't have a spike in instances because people behaved responsibly. Mm. We all adhered. There's a new way of living. If I met you in the past, I'd have my hand out and um, and I'd be shaking hands with you. And in your case, Patricia, I'd give you a kiss. But, but nowadays, we know that's different. We have to live in the new real world. And we all would behave ourselves and we would socially distance and we would behave properly. Mm. But we're not being allowed the opportunity. And I must tell you why. This government have one thing in common. Every one of them, to the woman and to the man, they don't have any business since. Because any one of them never had to pay a man or a woman or a Friday evening. They never had to run a business, pay public liability insurance, try all the problems and difficulties that come with running a business, be it big, small or medium. So they don't have a clue. 
they think that because they're paying a pop in and that because the supports that are there, that, well, that's fine. Sure, they're all right. They're not all right. Because working people want one very simple thing, and that is to work. They want to be able to get up in the morning, whether it's to put on your good clothes, if that's the type of work you're doing, or your older clothes, if that's the type of work you're doing. And uh, so whether it's a pair of shiny shoes or a pair of hobnail boots you're putting on you, all working people want to do is be given the opportunity to go out and to work. And that's what I'm saying to this government, is that people mentally, forget about financial, they can't take this any longer. And if you can explain, for example, to a hairdresser or to a beautician that meets their customers by appointment anywhere, and that they would sanitize when the person would be asked to leave in their premises. If you can tell me why that person has had to be shut down now for many, many months, it doesn't make sense. And that's only to give an example. It's like the stone shop. It's like the But looking at this regional regional approach, because when I mentioned you were going to be joining me about that topic earlier, I, I'm inundated with people 100% agreeing with you. Dublin had 43% of the COVID positive cases for the last two weeks. Do you feel parts of the country, are we being penalised because of Dublin? But sure, look, isn't it a well-known fact, and I'm here in Dublin as we speak, isn't it a well-known fact that if they sneeze in Dublin, they think the rest of the country has double pneumonia? And they really think, and I'm not being funny or I'm not trying to be funny when I say this, for many, many years now I have been saying that there are three people who really, truthfully think that the world stops at the red cow roundabout and that anything beyond that doesn't matter. Well, I have news for them. I'm sorry for them that I'm here to be a harm in their side. And I, I, I like the majority of people in Dublin, but the world doesn't revolve around the capital. It doesn't revolve around this city. It, there's a big world out there called the rest of Ireland. And we are as important there as the people in balance scales are every bit as important as the people, the good people in Black Rock. And I'm saying that for many, many years now, but government don't seem to listen. But if we went for a regional approach and allowed, particularly the counties I mentioned that have, you know, less than 50 cases per 100,000 for the last uh, two weeks, would you advocate that we as people, we stay in our counties? What I would advocate is that we should try something different. In other words, I have no monopoly on being right. I'm not trying to tell you that what I'm saying is right. But what I'm saying is, for God's sake, could we not uh, try it? I mean, they, they said the, the, the sure sign of insanity is if you make a mistake and if you keep making it, thinking that it's going to be right sometime. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And if it's not working, it's not working. And I really believe that at present, we should be trying something else. And this thing of that, if it has the, 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 the supreme righteous gods and all of this, that they know everything and the rest of us know nothing, that's not right. Do you know that, and I just want to give one will allow me 30 seconds to make a point. Do you realise that in the past we've had the HSE and HICWA were set up so that a Minister for Health could hide behind him and say, well, it's not my responsibility, it's theirs. NAFIT was set up so that during this pandemic the government can hide behind him and say, well, NAFIT said it and that's why we have to do it. Do you realise now we're going to have 14 new apostles in Ireland and you're going to hear an awful lot of these apostles over the next nine years? And they are the people that are going to be put in charge of climate change and the implications of that. And myself, my colleagues at the Rural Independent Group, we're meeting in 15 minutes to do a press release on this. And this is going to be the new NEFIT and the new HSE, because this government and future governments 
explaining to people when it comes to carbon taxes. They're going to be saying, well, the reason this is happening is because this new group, and I will never refer to them as anything, only the 14 apostles, because they're unelected and they have been picked by this government to rule what I would call the implications of climate change and the cost that that would be. But isn't that what governments and politicians do? You, You have experts, you refer to the experts, and then you make your decision. I mean, isn't that what governments all over the world do? No, what, what our government is doing is hiding. And I don't like people that hide. If you're a minister or if you're like me, just an ordinary uh, TD representing people, you're responsible for yourself and for your actions and for the advice and what comes out of you, your mouth. But if you come along and if you're continuously saying, well, it's not my opinion, you know, it's, it's what Defit are directing us to do, should they you're only, what are you there for at all? So you're only a puppet on a string, being a yes man or a yes woman. That doesn't make sense. Like, there was a time when politicians, be they men or women, they were in government and the buck stopped with them. We had a Minister for Health that was responsible for health. Now, if you ask the Minister, the minister for Health a question, nine times out of ten, the answer you will get is, well, I have to refer that to the HSE. God damn it, if the Minister for Health can't answer a question about health issues, they shouldn't be called the Minister for Health. They should be called the Yes Man or the Yes Woman for Health. And that's only an example of all the different departments that are hiding behind the different organisations. And now, the big news for the people in your constituencies, we have 14 new apostles, and they are going to be the people who this government and future governments will be referring to, and they'll be giving all the blame to them, them, well, we're not really doing this at all. It's the new 14 apostles. Okay. okay. All right, listen, go, go back to the regional opening of uh, the country. A listener has, says, well done to Michael Healyway for raising this. We should open up uh, regionally. And if they even tried it for two weeks and let's see how the figures go, would they not think of something like that? And that's kind of similar to what you're saying. Even if we just try, try it, see what happens. Try it. And uh, yes, and I am not saying that I'm right. I'm not saying that I have all the answers. All I'm saying is for God's sake, Try something else and allow business people to open their doors and 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 let them leave because all they want is to be given a chance. And and I mean it, this has gone on now for long enough. And I'm not saying or oh, be be uh, careless or be uh, you know I'm not saying anything like that. But what I'm saying, be cautious. We all have to learn the new way of living and uh, the responsible way of socially distancing at all times of being. Sanitising, wearing the mask, we have a correctly, but allows to live our lives at the same time. I think it's a humble type of a request. I think it's an ordinary request. I can't see anything wrong with it. Maybe, maybe other people won't agree with me. I'm sorry if they won't. Could it also act as an incentive to other counties to make sure to, to bring their figures down? Well, it might. It might if they saw the way that the counties can be rewarded if, if they're winning this war. But, but at the end of the day, the government has been hell-built on people's wrapped up cotton wool forever, and that doesn't make sense. Okay. And, uh, and, and like I say, I'm not coming on the radio being crit- critical. I would love it if I could praise people in government, and if I could say, well, they're doing a good job or they're doing this. But what I can't tell you, all I can do is tell what's in my head and what I think. And if I see them doing good, I'll praise them. And if I see them being stupid, I'm not using their brains. But like I said, the one thing that they're all in agreement with is they're not with about business. And I hate to be 
one of them to run the smallest of businesses because it wouldn't last long if they were in charge because they had no experience in it. And are you very worried, uh, Michael, finally, for for tourism? I mean, Kerry relies so much on tourism, as indeed uh, do uh, parts of Cork. That tourism season needs to kick off and it needs to kick off soon. Sure, of course it does. The good people in Cork and in Kerry, they're the masters of tourism and why so? So because they're the most beautiful parts of this world and, and not a mind of Ireland. And, and there's been a generation of um, expertise built up through families and through their businesses. And people have worked very hard to build up their businesses. And they've seen them paving away because of closures, constant closures. And it's a real worry and a real strain to those people at this stage. And yes, we're facing the second year of this and of this total shutdown. And uh, we're going to be alive this year completely on our inter-country, in other words, the people will be able to travel from around the country and, and, and hopefully freely be able to do so. And uh, we'll be asking them to support the small businesses and to try to give them the much-needed boost. And uh, rather than going to, to Lanzarote on these type of places, to be holidaying at home and availing of... And remember, we have the best food. We have the best accommodation. We have the best scenery. Maybe that people need to appreciate it more now when they won't have another alternative. Yeah, well, I think people, in fairness, did last year. I think staycations yes, where we came and people and saw what a beautiful country we're in. OK, all right. Uh, lots of people saying that you're you're absolutely uh, right. And some of our Kerry listeners uh, to the programme this morning saying, well done to uh, Michael Healy Ray. Uh, why should we have to endure lockdown? It's a form of internment uh, just because what's going on in Dublin cut the country into uh, provinces. That's from Johnny and the gang listening to us in Kerry. OK, listen, we leave it there, Michael. We'll speak again. Thank you for that. Thank and you. Uh, thanks uh, for, for joining us. Somebody else says, well done uh, to uh, Michael. We need to divide the country into provinces. If areas can show they have low cases of COVID-19, then they should be allowed to uh, open up. And remember, the stats that I gave you, there was it was Cork and Kerry, along with Carlo, Clare, Kilkenny and Sligo, less than 50 cases per 100,000. And that was over the last uh, two weeks. And Ross says, Michael Healy Ray is right. Uh, nobody seems to be in charge anymore. Nobody seems to be responsible for a department. They, thus, they then go on to just blame the experts. 1850-333-103. John Paul takes your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Not everyone agrees with Michael Healy Ray. Somebody says, what a load of rubbish. Michael Healy Ray has no solutions and he's only bashing the government. Same ding dong. He's only spouting what Kerry people love to hear. Well, judging by some of the texts and calls in, we have a lot of Cork people who want to see a regional approach fees with numbers low we should be opening up some part of our society Tony is from Carrick Navarre uh, is a truck driver was in Kerry uh, recently in Killarney good morning to you Tony Come on. you were you were in Killarney last week and yeah, Tuesday and Wednesday last Tuesday yeah. and Wednesday. what was Killarney like it was absolutely dead was it like when you drive come up the hill there coming in there by daily super value the hotel the house was locked up the hotel on the left hand side the yeah. barriers were up. There was no activity whatsoever there. 
No activity. I couldn't believe the place was so quiet. The Jarvis? There was very, there was three Jarvis down at the, at, at the stand. Well, where they'd normally be 20 or 30. To see the buses locked up and they're coming back out to Killarney inside the industrial park there. And you come in in, in, in the bypass road. There must be 100 buses parked up. Because I don't know how these people are surviving. Genuinely, if if Dublin had the numbers that Cork and Kerry have, Dublin would be opened up. Our airport is practically closed in Cork and we have very few fatalities and very few numbers. Yeah, like, and and Kerry, where, and when you, when you talk about Kerry, there are some areas of Kerry, like there are some areas of West Cork, that actually have zero COVID. They've been weeks without any cases right, of right. COVID. Like, like I, I, I drive for a living and I need to be back in Kerr-Hosseveen and Glen Bay and I need to be back in Waterville. And there's no tourists, there's no fucking cars. You tell you see a sea or a D-ridge in any of these rural towns at the moment. And I agree with Michael Healy raised it should be on a regional basis. We should be opened up. Our numbers are very, very low. The numbers in Kerry are very, very low. If you look at Dublin, for some reason, Dublin is high, Kildare is high, Offaly is high, Mead is high. They're all around Dublin. Yeah, if you, when you see the map, you can see there's almost a divide around the country and down the western seaboard and coming, swinging down around Cork, Kerry, we have little or no COVID in areas. Like we have a long weekend coming up now next week and I know people that have mobile homes in Cahill, Daniel and Waterville and Glen Bay and Banner Beach and all these places. And they, they can't go down to their mobile homes and they're paying top rent for their mobile homes. The sites are open, but people are afraid to travel. Mm. Like, it's, like, be honest about it, Patricia, this day and age, people know, people know what will happen if you get COVID. You will get sick, and the chances are you might die. And people are conducting themselves, and people are minding themselves. Well, we did it last summer. I mean, I went away on, uh, I was staycationing, I was down in West Cork, and I was up the west around uh, Galway. And there was no spike in cases. Everybody, we abided by all the rules and the regulations... You know, we, we, we know what to do. We know how to do it. The, the majority of people are, 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 are good-minded people and they look after themselves. Yeah. And they, they, they won't go into a situation where they think they might pick up this bloody virus. Yeah, nobody wants to get it. Nobody you wants know, to. And, and then more people are getting vaccinated as well. Well, well, let's way. let's wait and see. We're expecting some, hopefully by the end of next week, we should at least have some plan. I think we need to be yeah, told like, what we're doing. Two weeks' time, Patricia, is the May weekend. Uh, yeah. Oh, it'll be after the May weekend, yeah, I'd say. Like, we, well, yeah. like we had Paddy's weekend and we couldn't move. We had Easter weekend and we couldn't move. Yeah, yeah. And we I'd say, May weekend, and I'd say not, nothing will happen before the May weekend. No, it'll be after. All but right. Like, like, like the government might, might consider giving us an extra bank holiday maybe in September. Wouldn't it be lovely? Wouldn't it be lovely? Like, do you know what I mean? Listen, stay safe on the roads, uh, Tony, well, and thanks uh, for joining us. No point, Patricia. Uh, Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 1850 uh, You can text our WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Now, European football is in turmoil with widespread condemnation of 12 clubs, including six from the Premier League in England, who are planning to form a breakaway Super League. Trevor Welch, our soccer correspondent, uh, joins me to talk more about this Super League. Good morning to you, Trevor. Good morning, Trish. Now, background. Uh, who, where is this whole idea and what's the purpose and the motivation for this Super League? Yeah, I think they, they, this has been muted a few years ago, um, Trish, 
And I think, um, you know, the pandemic has refocused the minds on it, this European Super League, because from my understanding, the likes of Real Madrid and Barcelona in particular uh, are in dire straits financially. And uh, I think the push is on for this European Super League because the, the rewards are absolutely massive. Um, the Champions League is lucrative, but uh, this uh, Europe, uh, European Super League would be absolutely through the roof. Um, I know that um, the likes of uh, United, Manchester United, Liverpool are believed to, you know, be banking 310 million up front, and others would get 200 million up front, five million all uh, altogether in the pot from uh, J.P. Morgan uh, Bank in America. And um, you know, if it does go ahead, uh, there's going to be, I mean, uh, there's huge. You saw the response uh, last night. The response has been swift. There's a lot of anger uh, with the proposed European Super League. Uh, worldwide from um, from football. Um, you saw last night, Trish, Leeds players uh, wore T-shirts, footballers for the fans. And, you know, if there were fans at the ground, uh, grounds, there'd be outcry. So I, I'm, the European Super League is, is lucky at the moment that there's no fans allowed in the ground um, because, um, you know, we saw a few fans outside Eleanor last night demonstrating. That just gives you an idea of what's to come. But, but in order for them to make uh, all of these huge sums of money, they have to have the fans on board, surely. Yeah, that's the whole that's the whole thing, and um, you know, like the, the world governing body FIFA has previously previously said it would it would uh, it wouldn't recognise such competition, and any players involved could be denied the chance to play for the country in a World Cup, for example. But the, these club owners are saying that it's a business, and they can seek to make more money for their clubs, and they've got a protection in court. Apparently, they didn't name the court, but they have said that's the threat to UEFA FIFA that uh, the club owners is a business and they can make more money for their clubs. Uh, you know, that's a threat because the new Champions League format has been announced as well and it's not good enough, for, apparently, for the European Super League. They say they can make much more money, but it's it's pure don't greed. I mean, the Premier League came out with a statement yesterday saying football is based on open competition and sporting merit and it can't be any other, uh, it can't be any other way, really. So but, just, uh, just, just explain to people how this Super League would work. There's 12, 12 teams involved. Yeah, 12 teams involved at the moment and uh, three more to be added if, if uh, they, they get up and running. So you have the best um, clubs basically in Europe. Um, you have six, as you mentioned, in the Premier League. You have Man United, Man City, Liverpool, uh, Arsenal, Tottenham and Chelsea. And um, you have three of the strongest in Spain and Italy at the moment with more to follow. But the interesting thing is Bayern Munich. So they just the... play against each other then? They wouldn't be in their own yeah. domestic leagues? They would be. They'd be still in their own domestic league, but it would be their uh, breakaway competition to the Champions League. Um, basically, they would be playing against each other. Um, I, I presume there'd be some kind of trophy for it, but there's no knockout. You can't be relegated, so it's not open competition. It's very so- American-sounding to me. But interestingly, Trish, Bayern Munich are the current European champions, and they haven't engaged in, in, in this. They're totally against it. And you saw last night, I mean, I just felt sorry for Jurgen Klopp and the Liverpool captain James Miller came out last night. And the interesting thing is that they said that they got no information whatsoever uh, from the club owners. Uh, I think it's totally disrespectful from the club owners. Like Liverpool, uh, their manager, coach, players, staff, fans, they, they won the Champions League and Premier League in the last few years. And they haven't even been informed by the club owners of what's going on. And they're coming out answering all the questions on Sky Sports last night. And it's, it's just not on. That's not fair. And you're, in fairness to York and Klopp, as far back as 2019, he was opposed to any kind of a Super League plan. He was. And then he was put under pressure last night. He said, no, I haven't changed my mind. I'm against it. 
And uh, to be fair to him, you know, he came out and James Miller said the same thing. I wouldn't be happy with it. Uh, it's not for me. And, you know, we need the other five Premier League managers to come out and say the same thing, really, okay. because this and, has to be stopped in its tracks. And there really is so much fury about this. I know Gary Neville, former Manchester United defender, he was asked for his reaction uh, to the news. And just let me play uh, what Gary Neville had to say yesterday. I mean, I'm a Manchester United fan and have been for 40 years of my life, but I'm disgusted, absolutely disgusted. I'm disgusted with Manchester United and Liverpool most. I mean, Liverpool, they pretend you know, you'll never walk alone, the people's club, the fans' club. Manchester United, 100 years, born out of workers around here. And they're breaking away into a league without competition that they can't be relegated from. It's an absolute disgrace. And honestly, we have to wrestle back the power in this country from the clubs at the top of this league. And that includes my club. And I've been calling for 12 months as part of another group for an independent regulator to bring checks and balances in place to stop this happening. It's pure greed. They're imposters. They're imposters. They're nothing to do. The owners of this club, the owners of Liverpool, the owners of Chelsea, the owners of Manchester City, they're nothing to do with football in this country. There are a hundred and odd years of history in this country from fans that have lived and loved these clubs. And they need protecting. The fans need protecting. I've benefited from football hugely. I've made money out of football. I invest money into a football club. Now, I'm not against money in football, but the principles and ethos of fair competition and the rights to play the game so that Leicester win the league, they go into the Champions League. Manchester United aren't even in the Champions League. Arsenal aren't even in the Champions League. You watched them earlier on today. They're absolute shambles of a football club at the moment. Tottenham aren't in the Champions League. And they want a God-given right to be in there. They're an absolute joke. And honestly, the time has come now. Independent regulators, stop these clubs having the power base. Enough is enough. He was very, very annoyed, uh, Trevor. But I think summing up how the majority of people who love soccer and who love the game, I think he sums up how people are feeling. Yeah, definitely. He's uh, definitely sums up very well. I mean, he's the most vocal at the moment on, on television, I think, Gary Neville. And to be fair to him, he makes very good points. It is a working class sport at the end of the day. You know, soccer was set up for people to be entertained at weekends, the working man's game. And Matt Busby, he was the forefounder of European football almost 70 years ago, Trish. And that's what he wanted for, you know, for teams to compete in an open competition. Uh, to see who was the best in Europe. And I think the Champions League format, you know, I've worked on the Champions League for 21 years, Trish, and I think the Champions League format is it's a great competition. It's the best football competition around. They've changed the format, uh, and it's still, you know, the, the, it's competition, it's open. And, and it, as, it, as Gary Neville said, it's fair competition. Yes, and anyone can dream. The Leicester cities, he said there, they can dream of being in the Champions yeah. League. West Ham United now are fourth in the Premier League, and they, they, they want to get in there. I mean, and in seven weeks' time, Trish, it's the European Championships. To mark my words, uh, you know, the European Championships start on June 11, and it's, it's going to be spread across 12 European cities. And at Wembley, there's going to be 22,000 fans, a quarter of the capacity allowed in for the England matches. And just you watch the reaction to the fans about this uh, European Super League, and they just won't accept it because it's, it's disengaging. It's, it's uh, you know, separating the fans more and more uh, from the, the football clubs. Mm, okay, Joe and Damanwe says the six English clubs need to be chucked out of the Premier League altogether. Money, greed, that's mm. what it's all about, not the fans. Is there a possibility that they could be chucked out of the Premier League? They could. I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's the thing. That's what uh, FIFA and uh, UEFA are saying at the moment, that, uh, you know, you make your choices, you break away, then you're, you're in... Danger. You're on your own. You're on your own, yeah. But, uh-huh. uh, you know, 
it, it'd be interesting because you know what the club owner said a business and they have got a, a, a protection in court it'd be interesting to see that but FIFA and UEFA are adamant that if they do break away they're on their own they could be thrown out and they won't be in line to play with their country in, in the world uh, football tournaments OK your gut instinct will it go ahead? I can't see going ahead yeah. um, I think more and more as we've seen last night and the, the players and managers come out strongly against it um, I, I just can't see it. I don't see um, the merit in it anyway because you know soccer is a huge history as we mentioned a while ago fans young fans growing up they dream of playing Man United Liverpool's Arsenal in the Champions League I mean just playing against the same opposition all the time uh, I can't see the real kind of passion in that OK and uh, I think a United approach against it I think is going to what people power I think will win over on this one Listen we leave it there Trevor thank you for that and thanks for joining thanks, us on the programme Good morning to you Trevor Welch there our soccer correspondent on the formation of that breakaway Super League 1850 Some of your thoughts coming into us John and Skibbereen says Trisha I was amazed that they are not opening the vaccination centres in the county on Till next week. So if I get a call at 2pm tomorrow to go for my vaccine, does that mean I've got to drop everything, take a day off work and travel into the city when if there was the West Cork vaccination centre open in Bantry or Clonakilty, it would be much more easier. Well, we did get onto the HSE and they say for today it's City Hall, tomorrow Porky Cueve kicks in and then sometime next week, didn't say when, but sometime next week they will be opening the vaccination centres in the county, Mallow and the either the Bantry or Clon in West Cork and that's the decision that they've made at the moment. If Is that down to the amount of vaccines they have? I just, I just I don't know, but that's that's the way it is at the moment, John. If you do get called tomorrow, then yes, you will have to head to the city. And a listener in Kinsale raises an issue uh, on vaccination. What, I, what I'd like to know is when you get called and you go for your vaccination, if you have to take time off work, will your company pay you for the time off work? And that's from a listener in Kinsale because we know for the people that are registering, now for the majority of people who are registering this week, the 65 to 69 year olds we assume that the majority not all but the majority of those will will be retired so work won't be an issue but when it gets to the 60 to 64 year olds many of those will be working what happens if you get an appointment for example if you get an appointment at 11 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday and it's a working day for you uh, what happens I'm assuming it'll be up to individual companies I take it most companies will be encouraging their staff to go get vaccinated so what I would say to that listener in Kinsale is to check in with your HR department because it won't be it won't be because every company operates differently particularly private companies and they'll all operate differently so it'll be up to the individual companies decision on it. My gut would tell me most companies I think will allow people the time off to head to their vaccination centre, get their shot and uh, come back but um, um, you know again it's it's an individual choice so I would say to you check in with your the HR department in the company that you work. Okay, also coming in, if we open up, oh, this is to do with the regional opening up in my chat with Michael Healy Ray. Patricia, if Cork opens up, the dubs will be down to take over. Well, I think part of what Michael Healy Ray is talking about and any other suggestion I've seen about this regional opening up of, of, the, of the country would be you would open it up in counties that have low COVID cases, but people will have to stay within their counties now. 
do we still have people crossing over the county bounds? Of course we do. But the majority of people will abide by it. But will that be a fear? Yeah, absolutely. If you open up an area, will there be a fear that you'll have people travelling perhaps from areas where there's a lot of COVID and then they'll bring it into the area? So yes, I, I can see the fear factor there and it could be one of the reasons why the government and NEFIT are not going for a regional approach because they're afraid that people will simply travel instead. Patricia, Michael Eady Ray, making a lot of sense on your programme today, but could you please ask him and the good people at Kerry about Kerry hotels, restaurants and guest houses. Would they please reduce their prices? If so, we'd love to holiday at uh, home. Always an issue. Always an issue in this country when it comes to staycationing in a hotel or in a guest house or booking booking, self-catering accommodation or going to restaurants and I have a funny feeling prices will even be, well we know I don't, don't even have to have a funny feeling on this we know prices are even going to be higher this year because we know people, we've heard from a number of our listeners who had a booking from last year that obviously got cancelled because we were in the middle of a lockdown situation and the area wasn't opened up and they transferred the booking to this year and we've heard from listeners who've got a call to say We'll honour your booking for this year, but just to let you know, the price is going to go up. So you will have certainly businesses because the tourist season is going to be shorter for them. They're going to try to make up some of their losses. So you can you can and will expect to pay more. I mean, I was only at the weekend looking at, at trying to do a booking for a couple of nights away, say, in a hotel on the days that, I'm, that I know I'm going to be off in the summer months to have a week off in June and we were looking at, at some days just to get a kind of a midweek break allowing that's if we think hotels are going to be open and many are taking bookings already some of the prices are just crazy and I mean absolutely uh, crazy and is that the way it's going to be? Yeah I, I absolutely think it's the way it's, uh, way it's going to be because already now even trying to get bookings trying to get weekends you know, if you wanted a weekend away and you're saying oh well, we'll pick a weekend in June or July you'll find it difficult a, to even find a hotel that has vacancies and if you do find a hotel you'll pay it through the nose not all not all but certainly in a, a lot of them Hi Patricia how will outdoor dining work? in this country. They're talking about introducing outdoor dining. We would, What if we don't get good weather? According to a long-range weather forecast, we're due to get a week in July and a week in August. Now, Met Aaron will say it. there is no way that they can predict what way the weather is going to go into July or into August. But if you look, if you think back traditionally at the way our weather goes in July and August, yeah, there will be a lot of wet weather for sure. And of course, that's absolutely going to ruin outdoor dining. I was even looking at some of the scenes from the UK in in England where outdoor dining has opened up and they have got they've had really really cold weather since outdoor dining started last week and to see some of the people sitting outside with hot water bottles and blankets on you kind of look and saying would you be that desperate for a meal that you'd sit out in the cold weather but anyway people have, are so desperate to get out and their lockdown had gone on for so long that people are going out and having meals and meeting up with friends and having a few drinks uh, etc and just wrapping up warm but I was looking at some of the scenes busy busy scenes thinking okay whatever about the cold you can wrap up against the cold but if you get a downpour of rain you're going to have people scattering all over the place I know some of the businesses are already looking at putting in some kind of awnings and canopies that they'll be able to put in place if it rains but yes in this country we're not 
Spain and Italy and France that we can decide that for so many months of the year we're guaranteed fine weather and we will be able to do outdoor dining. So yes, is that going to be an issue? Of course it is going to be an issue. And then a listener says, Patricia, I would like to know what the government intends to do about the many students intending to travel abroad this summer while receiving their pandemic payments. Now I'm unaware of any young student that I know who's planning on travelling abroad this summer. Maybe you are aware of a cohort of students. I'm, I'm unaware. A, I'd be wondering where they would be going to. There's, there's very few countries that you can travel to without quarantining. Uh, so I don't know where exactly you're talking about and what group of students you're talking about. But if you can give us more information on that, uh, because... If you are travelling abroad, if it's just for a holiday, you can continue to get your social welfare payment. But if you're travelling abroad to work or to spend time, a long period of time, then you would be expected to give up whatever social welfare payment you have. 1850 333 103, lines open. C103 Jobs. Two people are required for stop and go in Cork City. It's for up to six weeks. You need to have safe pass and manual handling tickets and a full driver's licence. Drivers are wanted for full-time and part-time positions. That's in Skibbereen and in the West Cork area. Full licence and uh, jobs do come with an immediate start. Full and part-time nurses are required for Windmill Care Centre. That's in Churchtown. And a valeter is wanted for cars and vans. That's in the Formoy area. You'll get all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie And to the lady who sent an email who was very anxious about going to one of the vaccination hubs because she suffers from anxiety and she's terrified she's going to get a panic attack and would prefer to go to her GP but unfortunately her GP isn't administering the vaccine. Somebody said would you please inform that very worried listener that the Porky Cree vaccination centre is excellent an absolute dream to attend arrive 15 minutes before your time and as a driver you're shown where to park lots of parking available by the way you leave your car 5 minutes before your appointed time you walk around the building to the outside canopy where they check you in and then you're ushered into the building and again ushered to either the stairs or if you prefer there is a lift there at the top landing you're delightfully received by the brilliantly disciplined army personnel both male and female again you're brought to the admin desk, then to the clinic room for your vaccination. After that, you're brought to a waiting area where you're asked to sit to 10 minutes where they can monitor you before you leave. I can promise you that all of this happened with such great ease. I would like to take the opportunity to praise the Army for their excellent disciplinary authoritative professionalism that they showed and they are working above and beyond the call of duty. So well done to everybody involved. That's at the Porky Queef Vaccination Centre and hopefully that will allay the fears of the listener who contacted us uh, by email who's a little bit worried about it. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. Now in six days time April the 26th we will remember the Chernobyl nuclear disaster 35 years on from the explosion that led to the world's worst ever nuclear disaster to mark the occasion and to chat about a fundraising event to, ho- to help those still suffering the after effects. I'm joined by Aidy Roach of the Chernobyl Children's International and uh, in just a moment I'll be joined by Chernobyl survivor Anna Gabriel from Bandon but AD joins me. Good morning to you AD. Good morning to you too Patricia. I hope you're faring well during these very 
peculiar and strange times. They are very strange times indeed and we, we await with great anticipation for a vaccination and life to return to some kind of normality. Now Aidy, do you hope and pray that we will never again see a nuclear disaster like what happened and it's hard to believe that it's, it's going to be 35 years ago next, next Monday in 1986. Do, do you hope and pray that we will never see its likes again? Oh my God. Uh, I, I mean Patricia, to just kind of close my eyes for a second even just contemplate uh, you know, something akin to Chernobyl ever happening again, because in a sense, I suppose, it acts as a cautionary tale, because the same potential lies in every single nuclear facility, even those off the east coast of Ireland, in places like Sellafield. And it's also springing to mind something that's active at the moment, which is Fukushima. And I was just reading there recently how the authorities are going to dump over a million gallons of radioactive water right into the Pacific and that gets into the, you know, the oceans of the world. It washes up on the west coast of America. It gets, you know, caught up in the food chain and tuna fish and bottom feeders and everything else. I mean, in a sense, you know, like that is a kind of another development since Chernobyl that is of equally, I suppose, serious, uh, you know, effect to the planet. But, you know, in remembering Chernobyl, um, uh, like I, I, the consequences of it go on for the rest of time, um, Patricia. Like, because you know, we often say to people, "Look, it remains a kind of it's an unfolding disaster." Like, which has you know, it has a beginning, but there is no end. Like, it's an invisible war that has been waging on the peoples of the stricken countries of Belarus, Ukraine, and Western Russia, and that is not for a short period of time, but for the rest of time. And then you have the, you know, the dangers today, 35 years on, of the food chain. People are sleeping, eating and breathing in the world's most radioactive environment. And there is no safe haven. There is no antidote. There is no vaccine. There is nowhere you can escape from radioactivity. And now we're seeing it leaching from one generation to the next. Patricia, we're now looking at the third generation. Would you believe that it's called Chernobyl lineage? So it passes from those who were children in 1986 and it's now down three generations. Because it it struck me when I was thinking about you joining us uh, today on on the programme, 35 years on, children who are born now, whose parents weren't even born when Chernobyl happened. Those children are still suffering today because of it. Exactly. And that will not change. And that comes back to where is it coming from now? Like radiation doesn't disappear. I mean, unfortunately, much of it will remain locked in the DNA, locked in the genetics of all of the millions of people that were affected at the time. And I know just for example, at the moment in the contaminated areas of Belarus and just across the border, northern Ukraine, there are a million children affected by Chernobyl and they are our concentration for today. But there are about 5 million people that live in the wider area. So they're farming that land, they're eating the produce of that, they're breathing the air. And as there's some, you and Patricia, you know from like being there in hot periods during the summer, they get intensely hot summers. And that's when you run into the other kind of, you know, factor of Chernobyl in 2021, which is forest fires and the radiation zones, because the trees in the land kind of lock in the radioactivity because they've absorbed it and it's locked in the land and in the bark of the tree. But once that's set on fire through the heat of the sun, it reshifts the radioactivity, it dries it out of the 
forest beds, lifts it into the Earth's atmosphere, maybe one and two kilometres high, and carries it over whole tracts of land that have been contaminated for the last 35 years. And even beyond that, the exclusion zone areas of Chernobyl are constantly altering and changing. And therein lies the tale as to why we are remembering Chernobyl 35 years on. And Patricia, long after yourself and myself are pushing up the nonines, pushing up the daisies, we will still be asking generations of Irish people and people around the world to, to remember yeah. this day and say we will not forget you yeah. and we will not be found wanting. Stay there and let me bring in um, Anna Gabriel uh, who's on the other line who uh, was born in uh, Belarus and has, has now has adopted and has been living in Bandon ever since. Good morning to uh, Anna. Hi, Hi. I'm I'm very well. I'm very well. What what are your thoughts, Anna, as we head into the 35th anniversary of the Chernobyl nuclear disaster? Um. Well, my thoughts. You know what? My thoughts are like million. Like I have loads of different million thoughts because the one thing that stands out for me was like the disaster happened 35 years ago on the 26th of April. I am 29, so like not even. Not even 10, so like, that's what happened in 1986. I was born in 1992, so like, not even eight years, 10 years later, and I was affected by it. So, like, that was only of the 10 years bracket, but like, to think even 35, like, and add on another 20 years on that. And obviously, in that meantime, I've moved to Ireland, I moved to Banton to the Gabriel family, which I'm um, three beautiful sisters who took me on along with my mom and dad. And like, and all that behind me, then I have the people who are in Chernobyl who are still there, who are still breathing in the radiation. And as Adia said earlier on, that, you know, they are like, their land, like their produce, like everything, like, you know, the radiation in there, they're breathing it in there as the DNA is affected. I even have thought myself that, you know, even though I'm here in Ireland 25 years, I often have wondered, like, do I still have that radiation still inside me? But luckily, I have, luckily, nothing is fine. My my health is perfectly fine as well. But, you know, it's just all these little things that, you know, that I keep forgetting that, you know, I once was, and I, I, I still am, like, you know, I am a Chernobyl survivor. I'm still a Chernobyl at heart, but I'm still, I'm 100% Irish at the same time. <laughs> yeah, 100%, and 100% Cork girl, that's for sure. And people <laughs> yes. around Bandon uh, might see you, you've been, you're, you're out walking and you're doing it for the Chernobyl Children's International, the Walk of Hope. Yes, that's correct. Um, so I was talking to Aidy Roach and the gang in the office, in Chernobyl office, and they told me about this idea, and I thought it was absolutely wonderful, even though I'm not a walker myself, um, because I actually have two artificial legs um, due to the um, two deformed legs that I was born with because of the Chernobyl nuclear disaster. So I have two artificial legs, so like I can walk, but like not as I'm not a runner. Like, you know, I wouldn't be running with the artificial legs. It's not like I can walk maybe a couple of hundred um, steps a day, but I never thought I was like, look, you know what, I'm gonna challenge myself, I'm going to do it for the people in Chernobyl, the Chernobyl victims, the Chernobyl survivors, and I'm just gonna go out there now and I'm gonna do my thirty five K and actually on my phone I was able to check that I actually without even realising that I actually done twenty eight kilometers last month. So I was like, you know what, if I can do 28 kilometres, I'm going to push myself even harder and I'm going to get that 35 kilometres. You're some woman, you're some woman. And is it painful walking in the prosthetic legs or just very tiring? It'd be very tiring more than anything else. Like, you know, 
like my own weight, it'd be kind of like the artificial legs itself. It's like another stone on top of my own weight. Yeah. So it's kind of like a half of um, pound each. Like, you know, um, it's just like, it just gets tiring. But you know what? I, when I am walking, I am stopping. I'm taking breaks. I'm drinking water. But like, the main thing is I keep continuing to go. I keep continuing to do so. And if I want to stop, I'll stop. And, you know, even if it's just 5,000 steps a day, but if I do that every single day, it will clap up to my You're some woman. You're um, some woman. And, and how, I want to do. how is life for Anna Gabriel? How are you surviving lockdown and how has the pandemic been for you? Um, as anyone who knows me um, as AD Roach and the Chernobyl gang, they all know me that I'm a, I'm a social butterfly. So even <laughs> in this lockdown, I did find it very hard in the last three lockdowns that, you know, I can't socialise with my friends or I can't go out and... Um, Food, drinks, cinemas, even driving the five kilometres was um, the driving restriction was absolutely the hardest. Um, but you know what? I managed through it. I was able to work from home with the um, with ICBF. Um, I'm an account I'm an accounting um, technician at um, this company, so I'm working from home from Monday to Friday, nine to half five. And then once half five comes, I completely switch off, and you know I spend time with my family like that. Now go for a walk. Luckily, thank God, I'm literally just living outside, like literally on the outskirts of Bandon. So I'm literally like two minutes inside from to Bandon town. So I'm able to, you know, drive around town. And, you know, if I see people, I kind of nearly stop and chat to them. And the majority of people are kind of like, OK, you can stop talking now. I'm going away. And I'm like, no, please don't leave me. You know, but you look, you'd, mi- look. you'd miss that working from home. There's the amount of people that says that they're working from home. The, the banter at work that we all just took for granted. Oh, you, you really completely. miss that. Yeah. Yeah, no, completely. No, um, like I work with um, a group of fantastic people and the banter that would be going around is absolutely ridiculous. So unfortunately, we just have to carry on that banter over on Zoom calls, the team's call. Look, and look, it's fine. We've adapted to it. I'm working from home for actually a year now. So look, it's fine. And I do go into the office once a week then um, just to do kind of like paperwork side of things. But um, you know what? It's fine. It is what it is. But look, hopefully in the next, Six months of that change, and we we're can go coming back out of the office. We are, yeah. Like so look, we are, we're it coming is what out. It is, so it's fine. Listen, yeah. good, good, good luck with the rest of your walking, and people can see you out and about. And are you? Is there a fundraising side to what you're doing, Anna? Um. So basically, what I'm doing um is obviously doing the 35 um, kilometers, and I have it up on my social media that you know I'm just raising awareness. So okay. those who do want to donate or even want to take part, because it's not too late to take part. That, you know, we still have like another, what, 10 days left of the month of April. And like, you know, if I can do it, you can do it too. So it's on the website. And if you're going to walk a cope um, link and you'll be able to donate or register as much as as little as you want. All right. Listen, good luck with the rest of the walk, Anna. Thank you for that. And thanks, thank you so thanks. much, Patricia. Thank you. Thanks so much. Um, she's some woman, ladies. Oh, do you, know, listen, do you know what? She would put a smile on anybody's <laughs> face. Yeah, she's and great. And we're feeling set up with uh, working remotely or being on lockdown or anything. She's inspiring. And I know what a struggle it is for Anna to to walk on those prosthetics because they're big, heavy, awkward jokes. I mean, they're right up to the hip, you know. And like, I never, honestly, Patricia, I never expected that Anna would actually do the walk. Um, And I mean, just fair dues to her. And like she sent us a beautiful little video of her walking around Bandon which was empty of people and there was Anna, you know, walking away herself. And you can like, see the out. effort. You can really see you can, the, uh, honestly, the, the you effort. Can. Yeah. You, and, you, and, she, and you know what? Of course, she, 
she got the most magical family. They were kind of made for each other, actually. If ever families where people were made, uh, meant for each other, they were, uh, you know, the Gabriels and Bandon and, of course, and in Mallow uh, and, uh, and Anna. Like, it's just, you know, a, ma- a match made in heaven, as they say. Yeah, but, but could I just say, um, Patricia, we're, we're not actually asking people to get, we say, sponsorship cards. We're just saying if you log on, okay. it's only 20 euro. People don't have to do anything else. They don't have to go knocking on people's doors or okay. begging friends to give money. It's only 20 euro. And listen, every 20 euro adds up. But Patricia, could I just say one something that's really important that like on the anniversary day, what's going to happen? Uh, is it okay? If I yeah, please do. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. We have a big global event coming up and it's going to be North, South Hemisphere, East, West. It starts in Melbourne and it's starting with our own Samuel Sullivan lighting a candle of hope and lighting a candle that sends the message starting with Sonia, which will travel around the world. Something like 20 hours later, the president of Ireland in the northern hemisphere lights his candle. It spreads east and west, the west coast of America, all over Europe. The most extraordinary people are involved in this and it's headed up by our own president, Michael D. Higgins. And it's what it is this year. We are remembering. It's part of United Nations Chernobyl Remembrance Day. But the main thing is we want to say to the people of Ireland that our response for 35 years has never faltered. It has been selfless. It has been inspiring. And it is it has never wavered, Patricia, in thirty five years, and we want to really show our gratitude to the people of Ireland and particularly all the countless volunteers. And in in the opposite direction, we are sending this global voice to the people of Chernobyl, saying collectively, we will not forget you. Well done. And I well think done, well done. we're acknowledging the, you know, and celebrating. So people can light Irish a candle. People light can a light candle a candle. Anytime yeah. on the, and if they use the hashtag, it's hashtag, sorry, hashtag Chernobyl35. That's okay. all. And put up their own photograph on Monday. You might, because that well, is, yeah, the, is, is the 26th. Okay. Yeah, and people can do hashtag. that. And Camille, when were you last in, in Belarus? Oh, God. Oh, broken heart there, Patricia. February of last year. Just just before lockdown started. Before the lockdown and Patricia, I swear to God, it's just, you know yourself uh, how close uh, Irish families are to all their, you know, to their children. And it is heartbreaking, the phone calls, the emails um, we're, we're getting from the Irish families who are missing the children, who are worried about them so much. And of course, on the other side, for children who are, you know, in institutional care, they're locked up permanently. I can't understand. Can't understand where their Irish mamas and papas. It is so hard. But uh, I have to say, uh, Patricia, we did manage to get a container of aid out which is being delivered actually this week. We got it out by sea, which was a long task now, mind you, but it eventually did get there and that's been distributed. So it will send a very loud and clear message to the people. We're with you. You know, be strong, be courageous. We have not forgotten you and never will we ever forget. Was was that the container we were talking to you about before Christmas? Mother of God, why did you remind me of that now? Yes. It, oh my, it's only now. I, God. It, I, I know there was huge complications. Broke yeah. Our heart. 
Well, it's, it's, it's there. Hard. Let's look at the positive. It's, oh, it's, it's, it's there it's, now. It's, it's, it was to be there for the new for the for Russian Orthodox Christmas yeah, Day. Yeah, in January. Yeah. Then it was to be there for Valentine's Day. Then it was to be there Patrick's Day. All the big milestones that we'd have. Mother of God, it got stuck um, in Lithuania and all of that. But eventually, and of course, when you're not there, you know, you can't push it through. Your, like if we could have forced it through, we would. But it is now there. It is there and the aid is being distributed. Brilliant. So, Brilliant. you know, despite... And COVID-wise, yeah, COVID how, how are they doing? Oh, my God. Well, thank God we're managing to keep, uh, even though COVID is rampant there, Patricia. I was I have looking to at say, the figures, they, yeah. Pretty yeah, bad. very high. Now, all of our kids just, we insisted that they get the Sputnik vaccine, which is a very good vaccine, actually, and is being looked at by the European Union now. But all of our children have got that. But unfortunately, it has certainly visited us because a lot of the children did have it. But now it has visited our staff in Minsk. And Tanya, our manager, is struggling at the moment. Her little two-and-a-half-year-old son, as we speak, is struggling with a very severe dose of COVID in hospital for the last number of weeks. So, you know, it's um, it's, it's not an easy one. And it's no. striking even the youngest of us, which, like, we're all kind of shocked about, you know, that even small children. And in Belarus, it seems to get, mask itself in so many different ways. They thought a lot of the babies and children had appendicitis. But somehow it's like a lot of the suffering is within that area, within the stomach area. So, you know, with with their damaged immune systems and everything else, like things are taking a heavy toll. That's tough going. Listen, uh, Adi, a pleasure as always uh, to talk to you. And uh, a reminder Thanks again, it's us. next Monday for people. Uh, it's the it's the day that's been designated by the UN as well. Chernobyl Remembrance uh, Day. We will ne- never forget. Listen, Adi, thanks for that. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Uh, thank good morning you. to you. Adi Roach of the Chernobyl Children's International and before that, Anna Gabriel, a Chernobyl survivor. We'll take a look at some of your calls and comments uh, coming in in the next hour. Joe Heffernan is going to join us and we're going to talk about the benefits of laughter and God knows we could all do with a bit of a giggle and a bit of a laugh at the moment. That's all coming up in the next hour. Court today on C103. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A couple of listeners who contacted us earlier who are wondering if they get called, they get an appointment for their vaccination to go to one of the vaccination centres and it's during a normal working day, what happens? Will you be entitled to take time off to go to the vaccination uh, centre? Will you get paid for that uh, time off? Will you be expected to take a day off? Will, could it be classed as sick leave? And I was making the point as far as I can see from a labour law point of view, I think it will be up to individual companies to decide and I would point you in the direction if you've got a HR department get on to the HR department rather than wait until you get your vaccination appointment time to discover you could have a bit of a problem that you may need to take time off or the company are not going to pay you uh, while you're going to the vaccination centre but we've had a number of people have contacted us who have been told by their employer that they will have to take a day off or a half day off if they're going to get a, a vaccine and if it's just an hour say the vaccination hub the vaccination centre or maybe they're going to their GP to get their vaccine is close by and they could get in and out in a, an hour they will be docked one hour's pay other callers have been on to say that their companies are putting it down as a sick day so people will be tied to take the time off they won't lose uh, any money. Alice was on to say her company have been really good about it. They they will log the time off as just as if you're out sick so you will get paid uh, for it and she says because of that she says co- she feels colleagues will make up the time because her company are being very proactive about it. So it's individual companies check in with your, custo- with your company please. We also then had a text in from a listener saying Patricia are the beauty salons and hairdressers expected to open on the 4th of May? So much talk about it but do we have a definite date for when beauty salons and hairdressers when they are going to reopen. Well, this is the very latest. This is from Micheál Martin, who was speaking about 30 minutes ago. So within the last hour, Micheál Martin, as Taoiseach, has given a firm indication that religious ceremonies will resume in public in some form from next month, May. And the Taoiseach is set to unveil its plans of the further opening of society next week. Non-essential retail and personal services like hairdressers are being looked at to see if they can reopen in May. Now, as I say, he was obviously at some event and he got quizzed. There's nothing new in that. There's nothing new that we didn't mention earlier on on the programme that the Cabinet are set to meet next week. Simon Harris was talking about it yesterday. Micheál Martin was saying much the same thing yesterday as well when he was speaking at an event yesterday Uh, they're going to wait they're going to look at the figures they're going to look at the numbers Simon Harris says if the numbers remain as good across this week as it has been for the last number of weeks that when they sit down to have that cabinet meeting next I'm assuming it'll be next Tuesday he says it'll be the first time that in many many weeks that they'll be sitting down with the figures the Covid case numbers are lower so therefore they'll go into that cabinet meeting with a much more positive outlook on reopening the country so We can expect them to make, to have their cabinet meeting next Tuesday. Will we get to here next Tuesday or will it be later on in the week? I don't know. But we can expect to see some reopening from May. And we've heard that before that hairdressers, they're looking at hairdressers opening in May. Most people then are jumping on the 4th of May because that's when we're expecting the next set of restrictions to be lifted from the 4th of May. But I don't know if hairdressers and beauticians will all be reopening on the 4th of May. My gut instinct tells me from what 
has been said over the last week or two, the non-essential retail is certainly going to be looked at. I think they're going to start with click and collect. We'll probably have a couple of weeks of click and collect first and they'll wait and see how that goes because everything has been eased out sort of over two weeks so I imagine we'll probably get two weeks of that and then sort of bringing us into the middle of May I think it's a date around then that we'll expect to see hairdressers and beauticians I'd love the idea that they would open on the 4th of May but I, I just I'm not I'm not hearing that or seeing that with with any great sense of confidence I mean Micheál Martin even saying non-essential retail and personal services like hairdressers are being looked at to see if they can reopen in May. There's a long, long month in May from the beginning to the very end. So I don't know. But again, it's just all, it's all guesswork at this stage. We're going to just have to uh, wait and see. But as I say, getting some texts in from people saying, I think people just want to ring and get their hair done on the 4th of May. It would be great if, if that does go ahead. Uh, we'll we'll keep you up updated. Eddie in Bandon then, this is on the lockdown of the counties and what we spoke with Michael Healy Ray uh, about and people wanting to see pubs reopened or people wanting to see hair dressers or various aspects of society at reopen. Uh, Eddie says we don't even have shoe shops or clothes shops open uh, yet and hopefully they will be one of the first things to, uh, to reopen. Why is it though everyone seems to be talking about pubs? Why should be the pubs be the first to open like in the UK? The scenes of everybody rushing to the pub. Why are we all so obsessed with the drink? Well I don't think there's any discussion that pubs will be the first. I think pubs will be the very last Eddie to reopen in this country. I mean they are looking at and they are talking about outdoor dining as a possibility but I think, you know, the wet pubs as we came to a new a new phrase that we all picked up last year. I can't see those pubs opening straight away. They again will be the last and that's why Vintners and the publicans are so up in arms about it. And John in North Cork says when it comes to outdoor dining, he says there's no talks about the local rural, the small pubs in the village. All we seem to be hearing about is the large gastro pubs and bars that are in our cities and large towns. Lots of talks about pedestrianising streets, uh, etc. And places that have beer gardens in large towns and cities. But what about the small little village that might just have a local shop and maybe one or two pubs? How will they cater with outdoor dining? Many of them don't have beer gardens. Many of them don't have spaces to put tables outside. I feel too much of the focus is on towns and cities and not enough is on the small rural towns. That's from John in North Cork and just actually staying on on publicans if you've picked up a newspaper today you may have seen photographs of publicans who were outside Leinster House uh, yesterday with pint glasses laid out outside Leinster House and they've laid them out in such a way that the pint glasses spell out four hundred and the reason for that is that the publicans in Dublin certainly were protesting uh, because they say they have had 400 days of pub closure and publicans are calling for what they say is the unjust segmentation of the hospitality sector to end and they're urging the government to allow outdoor service to resume for all businesses. Now they're not going with the beginning of May, they're saying the 24th of May so in about a month's time. Traditional pubs in Dublin have experienced the most severe hospitality lockdown across all of Europe and that's what this 400 today marks 400 consecutive day 
days of closure for the traditional pubs in Dublin because even those few days when some of our own pubs were allowed to open the Dublin ones didn't open because they were still in a lockdown so they weren't allowed to open the Licensed Vintners Association have launched a call to action encouraging Dublin publicans to contact their local politicians to ask them that all pubs now they're saying both tradition and gastro so they're talking about the wet pubs and the pubs that serve food they want them all to be allowed to reopen together next month bars that serve drinks only they say have been hardest hit by the pandemic and they make up a third of all the pubs that are in the capital and after pubs in England resumed outdoor service on the 12th of April and venues in Northern Ireland were given the green light to open for indoor dining and drinking on May the 24th pressure obviously now is mounting on the government here to act and I I wonder the fact that Northern Ireland will be allowed to do indoor dining and drinking on the 24th of May uh, I'm wondering is that the reason that the the Dublin publicans are saying to the government to go for the 24th of May as well. So the whole island, the pubs would be opening on the same day. We'll wait to see what the government will do. And Pat was on. This is about the Indian variant. Pat says, hearing about the Indian variant, I still cannot understand. Those that are arriving in Ireland taking legal cases on our quarantine system. This is the mandatory hotel quarantining. This has been in place in Australia and I never heard as many cases going to the courts in Australia like appear to be happening here in Ireland. If you want to come into this country, you have to agree to the terms and conditions. Otherwise, we will never be able to reopen this country again. And Pat is talking about three cases of the new Indian strain of coronavirus have been, unfortunately, detected here in uh, Ireland yesterday. Two of the cases are a result of travel, while the third is still under investigation. Uh, The Indian variant, it's already found its way and has been discovered in Britain. And of course, India has, because of that, then India got added to the UK's red list of countries for mandatory hotel quarantining. It's still unclear if a similar decision will be made here at the moment. India is not on our hotel quarantine list. There are anxieties around the variant because of the surge of the infection currently in India. And if you read online anything about what's happening in India, it is they are just being decimated with the amount of new cases every day and the amount of people that are dying every day. There I saw a doctor on TV last night doing a Skype call from India talking about they don't, let alone that they don't have any beds. They're even running out of oxygen in the hospital. So it's particularly bad in India. Now, Dr Killian de Gascoigne at the National Virus Reference Laboratory says there's no real world evidence yet that this particular variant, the Indian variant, is more infectious, are more deadly. However, uh, he stressed the need for a vigilance. And yeah, and it's kind of, we know that there's going to be more and more of these variants cropping up all of the time. And you just always hope and pray that it won't get a grip in the country and that it won't spread. I mean, that's what happened with the UK variant. We were dealing with the Wuhan one uh, up to before Christmas. And then we knew that there was this UK variant. And of course, people were allowed to come home for Christmas, to come into this country. And it, we knew 
knew. Well, we didn't know at the time when it started to spread. We didn't realise how contagious it was. But very quickly, we realised how contagious the B117, the UK variant uh, was. And a lot of the newer variants seem to be more infectious. And then, of course, that makes the spread of it. It makes the spread much more quicker, which is really the scary part of it. 1850-333-103. Some of your uh, texts coming in. Why was the Indian variant left into the this uh, country. Uh, what we are doing now is too little, too late. Well, India isn't, they say it's it, that they say two of the three cases have been as a result of travel and the third is under investigation to see was it as a result of uh, travel or not. Now, that's not to say that the people came directly from India or not, but India, unfortunately, is not on. It's not on our list at the moment of you can arrive from India, you don't have to go into hotel quarantine and whether that will change. And I imagine with the way the numbers are rising in India, it, it should and it should definitely uh, change. And this is Phil says, uh, hi, Patricia. Just a rant today, please. Uh, sorry, could you run this by your listeners? Um, my partner has dementia and is awaiting a consultation for neurology, has been waiting for 12 months. I keep ringing about appointments. Yesterday I got told they are not even working and they're going, are they going to leave patients of 70 years and over die or go on the scrap heap because they, that's the way they see them. I am so cross. Thank you for taking the time to air this on your programme. Isn't that dreadful to be 12 months waiting and then to finally get through to somebody to say, oh, by the way, we're not seeing anyone. There are so many long, long lists. That's the first time I think neurology, drawn attention to neurology, but there's so many waiting lists of people. It isn't just the neurology department that are not seeing patients. All of the focus obviously has gone on COVID. It's one of the real dangers, isn't it, when we get rid of COVID, what the medical and the health system is going to be like, just literally trying to do catch up. 1850 333 103. And just one more uh, text here. This is on the Super League that we spoke about with Trevor Welsh, our soccer correspondent, John says, Patricia, we, the football fans, have raved in front of our TV screens watching our beloved clubs for years. We're now wearing club jerseys costing at least €80. Euro, and we pay subscription charges to as many of three different telev- television providers just so that we can watch our club play every week. Also, we demand that our club should purchase the top players, some costing over €100 million euro per, per player. And then their wages, ranging anything from €50,000 to €200,000 per week. My point is, it has been at least four decades ago since football was about something other than money. I will watch football because I love it as a sport. But we, the fans, can't demand everything and expect some god full of cash to go in and pay for everything. Patricia, who pays the piper calls the tune. These billionaires have the piper by the throat. Kind regards and that signed John, who he puts after his name, not a billionaire. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council's Community Support Programme. If you or anyone you know needs help in accessing non-emergency and non-medical supports or advice, see corkcoco.ie. Castellines Community Draw is taking place on the 3rd of May. Tickets are on sale from all of their members or you can get them online at Castellines Parish Facebook page. St Vincent de Paul will hold a 
collection van in Dunstore's car park in Ballincollig. It's happening this Friday between half past seven and half past three. Donations of bagged, clean clothing, shoes, curtains, soft furnishing and toys will all be accepted. Uh, please note no furniture, no electrical or bulky items will be taken. And June and Tony Connolly are fundraising for My Canine Companion, a charity that provides therapy dog services and autism awareness programmes. They're hoping to help their 11-year-old son, James, who's non-verbal and would greatly benefit from one of these canine companions. They are planning to virtually walk from Mizzenhead to Malinhead and are looking for your donations by donating to their campaign. You can find all the details on June and Tony Connolly's social media websites. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Your texts coming in. Listen, says Patricia, hopefully the driving theory test and the driving test centres for everyone will be reopened soon. The backlogs are unreal. We're actually going to be dealing with that issue tomorrow on the programme and so many people are desperately hoping that the theory tests and the driving test centres will reopen. You are right, the backlogs are unreal and so many people are affected by it. So we'll be dealing with it tomorrow. Will we get any indication as to what's going to happen? I don't know, but certainly we'll be talking about it tomorrow. Somebody says the reason that India isn't in the mandatory hotel quarantine system is that, Patricia, you have to remember so many of our health staff come from uh, India so it's not going to be a country that they're going to stop flights coming in and out of and also they're not going to force them into mandatory hotel quarantine I hadn't thought about that um, and thank you to Amanda who says to the listener who contacted us, Phil wasn't it about uh, his partner who needs to see a neurologist suffering with dementia, has been waiting 12 months for appointment, found out yesterday there's no neurologist uh, working Amanda says there is a a neurologist working in Tralee by the name of Dr. Helena Moore, if that's of any use to Phil. And could you get an appointment there? It might be worth uh, trying. Get on to the HSC and see if they can sort something out for you there, Phil. Uh, Sheila says on hairdressers, could hairdressers not open and cut hairs outside? At the end of the day, they shear sheep outside. So Sheila, cut shearing sheep and cutting your hair is very different. I don't know. I don't know if hairdressers could work outside, but we're always told it's safer to be outside. And then a couple of people on vaccines. Uh, Tom in Mallow says, Hi Patricia, would I get my vaccine faster by going to my GP or will I wait to register for it? I am 62 with hypertension. And then another listener says, hi Patricia, uh, is it that we have to go to Mallow or to the city for our jabs? I thought our local GP would be doing it. I'm in for Moy. I've hardly driven in the last 12 months and to be honest, I'd be scared to drive to Cork. I'd even be uh, nervous uh, to drive to Mallow uh, and I don't fancy the idea of going on the bus is there anywhere else we can go to get the jab okay uh, no if you're in the 60 to 69 age group we've been told all of those cohort of people they've been removed from the GPs and you said you'll have to go to your vaccination centre so when you register I don't know what age you are and if you've registered yet when you register them you will get a day and a time when your vaccine is ready and you'll go to your vaccination centre if you are haven't registered yet uh, and you're in the younger under 
from 60 to 64 it's very possible that the Mallow Centre well the Mallow Centre will be up and running from next week so you, you will be going to the Mallow Centre but no your GP is, will not have the vaccines for you and the same answer to Tom in uh, Mallow because you fall into that category between 60 and 69 Tom you're not going to have a choice even though hypertension is on the list for people under the age of 60 who can go to their GP but they will be waiting there as well before they'll, they'll get their jab but you don't have any choice anymore your choice has been taken away from you as to whether you can go to your GP or not you will register when the portal opens for 62 euros it hasn't opened yet but it should they're hoping that towards the end of this week they're saying that they may even start to open up for it'll be 64 year olds first and then 63, 62 you're good self Tom down to 61 and finally 60 year olds will be allowed to register and then you'll get called to your hopefully your nearest vaccination centre even though we are hearing because they've started doing the vaccinations in the city that people some people from the county have been given an appointment to go to the city but listen anyone we've heard about today we're very happy to do it and uh, and I loved that text that we had in from the listener who was talking about how efficient it was to go and have there was no name on that text there wasn't no but how efficient it was and what a lovely experience it was going to Porky Cueve to get their vaccination uh, yesterday and how it was all so well run and the army are there and they're pointing in the right direction and it just all sounds like it runs so smoothly which is terrific. 1850 John Paul taking your calls you can text our uh, WhatsApp to 0862103103 and hi Patricia I registered my mom for her vaccine last Friday she's been called to get it this coming Saturday morning very easy to register great service in fairness a happy days good luck with her vaccine on Saturday Court today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie this is the Court today Today replay on C103. Just breaking news from the Cabinet. They have confirmed the appointment of Robert Watt as the new Secretary General of the Department of Health. But his, and of course, everyone, nobody had ever even heard of who Robert Watt was until he got appointed this appointment as Secretary General of the Department of Health. And it turned out he was getting an extra 81,000 extra on top of his salary by way of an increase for moving from one department to another department and that's the reason we all got to know the name of Robert Watt. Anyway, the appointment has finally been confirmed but... The 81,000 salary increase is being wavered and I say this in inverted commas for the time being and uh, what what the time being means nobody seems to know because you would assume that an employment contract will state uh, terms, conditions and payments so could it mean that he will get it as a back payment at some stage or will he be one of those ones you know like what happened with the ministers when their, their increments they get back their increments but does it mean it'll be back paid it'll be interesting to to see what exactly happens with that. But for the time being is the phrase that's been used by the government. He will waiver the €81,000 extra a year. Good money, a good wage packet if you can get it for sure. OK, uh, Joe Heffernan joins us on this Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And God knows we can all do with a little bit of a laugh. We and can. that's what you want to talk to us about today. You want yeah. to talk to us about the benefits of laughter. And it is accepted, is it not, that laughter is good for your health? In in so many ways that a lot of people would be surprised to hear. For example, it relieves physical tension and stress. It leaves your muscles relaxed. Um, 
Uh, it's good for your immune system, which everybody would be very interested in right now, um, because it decreases stress hormones and it increases immune cells and infection-fighting antibodies. So now we can laugh our way out of COVID. Um, <laughs> uh, how much laughter do you need to do? Well, my my attitude would be, God knows, as often as you can possibly have an or laugh. Um, like, I, I would recommend at the moment, like, watching maybe mm, light comedy shows and things on the telly. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember talking to you one time and saying that I was having a right down all day, really uh, down in the dumps, um, back in the other world when, when cinemas were open. And um, that night, um, I went to see um, a film in, in Killarney, um, The Hangover. Yeah. And um, I came home in much better humour than I went down because I really enjoyed that film. I thought it was truly funny. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the laugh did me good that time. Um, and I, I can relate that. Because... Um, uh, laughter triggers the release of endorphins. Now, these are the natural feel-good chemicals, um, and they they promote an overall sense of um, of feeling good. And uh, uh, you know, uh, it always helps. Um, you even get sometimes that old black humour, mm-hmm. um, even in our current uh, situation. You know, it's very, very difficult to find something in it um, to, to to joke about. But we can, too, you know. Um, but people will even, you know, t- maybe not today with the way funerals are being handled uh, today, but even pre-COVID, so many families will tell you when you know they were going through, it might have been a very sad funeral, funny stories that would have happened around the funerals and stupid things that happened and just people got a bit of a laugh out of it and just kind of revealed, you just relieved for whatever small bit of time that deep sense of bereavement that somebody was suffering. Yeah, and, and you often see where, um, uh, again, in, 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 in time gone by, um, when a person would uh, do... Um, uh, uh, a eulogy about the deceased person that um you know funny funny incidents in the person's life would be recalled mm. and uh, and would help everybody yeah yeah you know so there are uh, and there okay there are physical mental and social benefits they they come into three different categories absolutely um so we we'll, we'll have a look through them yeah um, the physical benefits, um, these are now scientifically proven. Um, it's, it's not just, you know... You making it up. It's not that. <laughs> this yeah. has been tested and proven. OK. Um, the, the physical benefits would be, of course, the, bo- the boosting of the immune system, um, a lowering of the uh, stress hormones. It can decrease pain. I remember going in the ambulance to Cork with back spasm not too awfully terribly long ago. And um, no, there was a bit of a joke in it because um, they had to give me stuff um, I thought was like kind of a bong. And they said, keep breathing that in. Or like um, a gas. 
yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I kind of said to them, um, uh, you know, uh, from being on the floor and being unable to get up, I had to be helped uh, with this thing into uh, um, a wheelchair. And um, I was saying, um, if you keep giving me this stuff, lads, we'll be singing the fields of Athenry by the time we reach CUH. Um, we'd have a chorus going. But, um, so yeah, decreases pain. Um, it, because uh, it, it relaxes your muscles. Yeah. And here's one that, uh, as um, a famous magician used to say, that um, not a lot of people know that, um, it prevents heart disease. No, that's, I mean, that's, that's rather could, amazing. And, and that, that would tie in because we know that stress, if you're constantly very stressed, it, it's bad for your heart. So it's because the flip yeah. will be, if you're managing to get a lot of laughter into your life, we've just said it lowers the stress hormones. So the knock on has got to be that it would be, it would be good for your, for, for your heart. OK, so they're, yeah. they're the actual physical yeah. Benefits. And then well, men- the mental benefits. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, it's joyful and um, it adds zest to life um, to be having a laugh. <clears throat> if you ever see a couple uh, having a laugh together, you know that they're having a pretty good day. Um, uh, I, I've heard so many people... Um, uh, when they were asked, like, what do you, you know, what's the most attractive trait in their partner? And uh, I've heard it so often that people say, he or she makes me laugh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's something great in a relationship if the if one or other of you can make each other laugh. Absolutely, yeah. without a doubt, without a doubt. Now, the other thing, and I mean, we're all... Um, uh, I'm certainly feeling it. Um, you know, there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear out there. And, um, I mean, a laugh eases that. It, 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 it lightens the anxiety and the fear. That, um, I, 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 it's, it, it's not right to generalize and say everybody, but I would take a guess that 99.9% people at the moment are feeling a certain amount of anxiety and, and mm. uh, fear. Yeah, and I think people who have never suffered from anxiety before will tell you, I now know what anxiety is. Yes. You know, and that's, yeah. th- that's just, it's just normal. It's the way our lives are at the moment. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, please God that there's some bit of uh, light at the end of the tunnel, we hope, anyway. Um, yeah, so then, I mean, um, uh, obviously, laughter relieves stress and it improves a person's mood. Um, you know, uh, if a person was a bit down or even depressed, well, if they can find it in their uh, system that they're having a laugh, they're not doing too bad in that moment anyway, that's for sure. So that it definitely and without question improves mood. And another one is that it enhances resilience. Now, God knows we've talked enough about resilience in recent months um, because our resilience is being tested big time. Um, uh, and uh, so we're, we 
we're that little bit more um, resilient, Patricia, mm. uh, when 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 we can have a laugh. Okay, so there are the mental health benefits and there's also social benefits. Well, obviously the one between partners um, and indeed between friends. Um, I presume you're getting quite a few of the um, uh, both inspirational and uh, humorous um, WhatsApp. WhatsApp. I have have one friend in particular. There's a group of us together in a WhatsApp group and there isn't a day goes by that we don't get a flood of the, particularly some of the inspiration ones, but some of the funny ones as well. I was only last night watching one of the funny ones on, it was on staycationing and it it, it actually made me laugh out loud. It actually made me laugh out loud. So so yeah, there's a lot of them doing the rounds at the moment. Well, no, you can do me a favour and WhatsApp that one I will me. send it on to you. I will. <laughs> I will. Right. It's, it's great. Okay. It's, it's, okay. It's um, at, at this time in, in my life, I can certainly do it a lap. <laughs> Badly needed. So I'd be grateful for that. Okay. So, yeah. So it's good in relationships. It attracts others to us. You know, um, I mean... Um, uh, you know, if somebody is kind of, if their middle name is kind of like gloom and doom, um, you know, you, you'd, you'd, be, <laughs> you'd be hoping that you wouldn't run into them if you were on a walk um, uh, again when we could meet people. Um, uh, so um, it's, it's, a, it's attractive to, to have an old sense of humor and to have a bit of a laugh um, about things. And um, uh, it enhances teamwork, of course, because, um, uh, you know, it, uh, it, it bonds people together in a, in a very, very, very pleasant way. And what I find is that, I mean, we'll all have an argument now and again. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any household um, where there isn't, especially at the moment, where there's a lot of stress and people and are more and together. arguments more so than ever over stupid things that you probably would never have argued about before. I think people are having yeah. those kind of silly arguments. But yeah. that's all they are. They're just silly yeah. arguments. Yeah, well, I find that that you you'd you'd notice that something that is absolutely ludicrous and trivial can annoy one, you know. And I'd be thinking to myself, what? Why would that annoy me? That's now when I stop being annoyed with it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it does help to diffuse conflict. That, like, um, uh, I'm sure you've uh, encountered this many times uh, in your life where there's a bit of bad feeling about something or other with somebody um, that if one of the two people uh, make a bit of a, a joke, um, you know, if 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 it was only like um, uh, look at the two of us falling out over the cat, yeah. you know, um, uh, just lighten, that, uh, lighten the mood straight away. Uh, precisely, Patrick in precisely. Cork City says, as the saying goes, laughter is the best medicine. And then there's yeah. a WhatsApp in from a listener saying, "Love listening to Joe every week. Tell him myself and the hobby are actually cracking up here. He's painting, and I'm sitting pointing out the missed spots on the wall." Oh, I say. I'd say, right. he's lo- I'd say he's loving that. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. But even you can make a laugh and a joke and have fun, and you know what I mean. It's just, it's, it's, it's whatever makes you smile. 
Absolutely. I mean, we had a good old giggle here this morning. Um, uh, My wife, Mary, decided that she would test her skills as a hairdresser, and she gave me a haircut. And, um, uh, yeah, I I haven't really had a good look in the mirror yet. Will we be seeing you out in the next six weeks? Maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay, and okay. Listen, we leave it there. Listen, thank you for that, uh, Joe. Have a lovely week. Keep up the laughter because that's what it's all about. Thank you, Patricia. That's what it's all and about. The very same to you and, and everyone there. And I'll send on that WhatsApp. It'll give you a laugh this afternoon. Thank you. Okay, yeah. mind yourself. Take care. That is uh, Joe Heffernan, who uh, runs a counselling practice in Boerbury. His number is oh eight six eight three four eight one four six. And Denista says, in relation to movies, that people are looking for a good movie uh, to watch. There are four review websites that are good for finding family friendly films during lockdown because it's important to get the family friendly ones uh, as well. Uh, Pluggedin.com Kidsinmind.com Decentfilms.com and Parentpreviews.com All four have a search engine where, while each one may not have every film Often one of the others have it. It If it's a new film, it may not be up on the database yet, but it's certainly worth, worth checking back in and finding movies that all the family can watch. Okay, that's where I leave you. Talk to you tomorrow. Thanks to John Paul. Nick, up next. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Get weekly news, event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie. From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between, we've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click Regional Reports or download the C103 app and click Podcasts. Regional Reports, only on C103. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.